Well, good evening once again from Winkler, Manitoba. I trust you folks are doing well and you've been encouraged during this time, this missions conference, and I've been uh, enjoying just studying and uh, uh, just to be able to be a part of it. Though it's a very strange, different for me, and I just need to uh, uh, try to focus a little harder. I mean, I'm preaching in our uh, college chapel, and there's nobody here. It's an empty uh, place. It's an empty chapel. And I'm just staring at one camera in the back of the room. And uh, it's something to get used to. <laughs> Amen. I don't like it. I like preaching to people. But I know this message will uh, be played and folks will hear it. And so I've been praying that God would use us, even with the uh, different circumstances, uh, that God would use this uh, missions conference to speak to our hearts and that He might accomplish what He wants to accomplish during this missions conference. And so uh, we have to make do, but God's grace is sufficient. Amen. His Word, doesn't matter if it's uh, being preached over the radio or over TV or in person, God's Word still has power no matter uh, how it's being delivered. And if it's being delivered by a man, by people who love the Lord and who are yielded to Him, God can use His Word. Amen. And so we're thankful for the avenue of virtual reality. And so I trust this is not going to last very long, but soon we'll be able to gather once again as a church and assemble together, enjoy fellowship, and enjoy uh, uh, seeing one another's faces. Amen. Uh, I know some of the uh, sports arenas and like ball games or hockey uh, arenas they got you know all these dummies or these cutouts sitting in the pews and uh, I was thinking maybe we should do that here too have some people uh, sitting in the pews with their stone cold face and uh, no but uh, nonetheless um, God is good amen and we have a wonderful savior and he's given us this opportunity to uh, uh, to minister in such a way as this and so I pray uh, I trust that you're praying uh, praying that God would speak to your hearts. I trust that you, uh, as the message yesterday, as we talked about giving yourself to the Lord first, and I trust that is your desire. And if it's not your desire, why not pray and ask God to give you the desire? As I mentioned yesterday, it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so God can do great things in our hearts. And see, sometimes as Christians, we uh, look to the things that uh, God wants us to do. And, and we can, and at times, we can seem, our heart can seem cold to the things of God. We can seem indifferent or uninterested in the, in the things that, what, that God is doing. And uh, what, that, what we need to do then is just simply acknowledge it and go to God and ask God to do a work in our hearts to uh, give us His desire, to give us His love, to give us His compassion, to give us His vision. And God delights in working in our hearts. And so if you find yourself a bit distanced from the uh, uh, things of the Lord, God can even draw you close to Him and give you the desires of your heart. And so uh, don't just sit back and say, oh, this isn't for me because I just really don't have the desire. God can work wonders. Amen. And it's without Him we can do nothing. So praise the Lord for His promises and what He wants to do in and every one of our hearts. And so yesterday we talked about giving yourself first to the Lord. And so let me say this before I go further in the message uh, this evening. And that is, uh, before you can give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to first trust Him 
as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, all that we're going to talk about this week is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. You're not going to really grasp it. Because the natural man receiveth not the, thing of the, uh, the things of the Spirit. And so, let me encourage you, if you're not sure that you are a child of God, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ for your Savior, why not tonight say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you as my personal Lord and Savior. And God will help you to understand what it means to be saved. And if you have any questions about knowing what, what it means to be saved, why not talk to Pastor White? or some of the folks of Grace Baptist Church and get a hold of these men or these ladies that can take a Bible and show you what it means to be born again, what it means to be a child of God. Oh, how important that is. Amen. And so tonight, I want to talk about giving the gospel. Yesterday we talked about giving yourself to the Lord and uh, into His service. And today I want to talk about giving the gospel. See, when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when He comes into your life, He wants you to be involved in the Great Commission. And we'll look at that, what it means a little bit later. But every single Christian, every child of God, needs to be involved in the Great Commission and what God's and, and, and what God wants to do in this world, to be a part of God's great work. And that is so wonderful to know that God has a plan for each and every one of us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to, with that, draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We'll read the first four verses. And this is the, uh, 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 the gospel in a nutshell, what the gospel is. And so we talk about giving the gospel. And you might be here listening to the messages and say, I really don't know what the gospel is. Well, praise the Lord, God's laid it out, what the gospel is. And so we're going to look at the Bible and to find out what is the gospel. And we're going to find out why it's so important that we give out the gospel, what the, uh, the, uh, the urgency of that is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse number 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Verse number 2, By which also ye are saved. That's a good word there. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I declared unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. The Scriptures, the Word of God. Where would we be if we did not have the Scriptures? Praise God for the Word of God. But here Paul, he's explaining to the church here at Corinth what the gospel is. And he's talking about, he says, I have received the gospel, and that what I have received, I give unto you, the gospel. He delivered the gospel to these Corinthians, and the gospel is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as he says in verse number 4. It says, and that he was, uh, sorry, verse number 3, he says, for I, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, 
according to the scriptures. Now you know the story um, uh, that Jesus Christ came into this world and He died on the cross. He died a cruel, uh, despicable, de shameful death for the sins of the world. He died, He was buried, and He rose again the third day and He's forever at, seated at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And that's the message that we as a church have and need to give to this world. That is the message. That is what the church needs to be involved in. You know, there have been many, many rescue missions throughout history and throughout the world that are commendable. Men and women who have sacrificed their life, have put their life in danger. And as Paul said, and some have even uh, laid their necks down for the gospel's sake, they have done uh, great heroic efforts in rescue missions. But none, no mi rescue mission is of any... Uh, of, of more value, of more importance than the rescuing of the souls of men and women in this world. That is the greatest rescue mission we can be involved in. And every child of God, everyone that knows Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, ought to be involved in rescuing souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, we're so thankful that somebody uh, prayed for us. We're so thankful that if you know, uh, that who, those of us that know that we're saved, we're so thankful that somebody came and gave us the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I will forever be grateful for a missionary who came to Winkler, Manitoba some 32 years ago as he was obedient to the call of God and he came to Winkler, Manitoba, Canada to preach the gospel and because of that I have been saved because of that wonderful message of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm so thankful for a church that prayed for me and that prayed that God would save my soul and God worked in my heart and I received the gospel message. Oh, I am a debtor. I owe the message. I owe to tell somebody else of that message of Jesus Christ and so we need to be involved in missions. Oh, we're so thankful for the missionaries that are obedient. I'm so thankful for the, for the missionaries that are represented here at this missions conference. Oh, I've been praying for you that God would open up the door and, 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 and prosper your way as some of you are on deputation and uh, going to the field that God's called you to. I'm so excited about what God is doing. Oh, we've been praying for laborers and it's exciting to see young men and women and families uh, leaving all that they know and going to a mission field that God has called him to. Ah, oh, it's to be commended. Thank you and God bless you for uh, uh, your obedience to the call of God on your life. Oh, I am so thankful. C.T. Studd was a missionary in China and he said this, some want to live within, a, within the sound of the church or sorry, let me read that again. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. He said, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And I'm thankful for men and women who see the need to preach the gospel, to give the gospel message. I'm so thankful for Grace Baptist Church as we've been there a number of times and I'm always encouraged when I go into your auditorium and I look on your wall there and you see, I see all those missionaries that you have posted up, all the missionaries that you're supporting financially, all the missionaries you are praying for fervently. I'm excited. I love seeing a church that is alive in missions and has a heart for missionaries. Oh, would there be more churches that had a heart and a compassion to send out missionaries 
missionaries and to help missionaries and send them across this world. Oh, what a needy field. What a needy world. As Jesus says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth labors. And I'm thankful for the missionaries that are represented at this missions conference. And I'll be praying for you folks. But every single one of us ought to be involved in missions. It's not just for the missionary who is called and sent to a foreign field. It's for every Christian. We are in a mission field. It doesn't matter where you live. If you're, live, if you're living in Surrey, B.C. or Winkler, Manitoba, you are a missionary and you've been called to give out the gospel to the people that are around you. And so praise God for that great, great opportunity that we have to give out the gospel message. Message, or the, when we think about missions, it's about giving the gospel message to sinners to save them from a place called hell. It's a rescue mission that every one of us needs to be involved in. Now this is the main purpose of the local church, is to give out the gospel. If you go and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter number 28, this is where we find... Uh, what we refer to as the Great Commission. And this is just uh, before Jesus Christ ascends into heaven and He gives the church the final command, the final instruction, if you please, before He uh, leaves them and goes to heaven. But He doesn't really leave them. He sends them another comforter, amen, the Holy Spirit of God who will live and abide in us forever. And we're thankful for that. But in Matthew chapter number 28, beginning in verse number 18 and down to the end of the chapter, Jesus here is talking to His disciples and he's giving him the final instruction. This is what I want you to be involved in. This is what I want you to be focused on. This is the whole purpose of the local New Testament church. And he says here in verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore... Because Jesus Christ has commissioned. Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority. He says, because I have the ultimate authority, the ultimate power, He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Amen. What a great promise we have of God that as He commissions the church, He gives us that great commission. He says, and I will be with you. I will empower you. I will instruct you. I will lead you the way that you need to go. And praise God for that, that we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in us as we go out and give the gospel to a lost and dying world. Oh, this is what we refer to as the Great Commission. And every Bible-believing, every Bible-preaching church needs to be involved in the Great Commission. Any church not involved in missions has forfeited her rights to be called a local New Testament church. This is the purpose. This is the reason why the church exists. And this is the purpose that we need to be involved in. Oh, I appreciate so many times the churches that I've been to who are still involved in missions, who are seeking to do yet more for missions. Oh, they see the need and there is a great need. Oh, today there's so many churches who want to lay down the, uh, uh, or who want to live a life of ease and, uh, and just want to have church as an entertainment. Oh, they want to have a, a, a crowd come out and they want to have fellowship and they just want to have a good time and make it a social gathering. 
Oh, that is not the place. The church is a place of fellowship. Yes, it is. We come and we get encouraged of fellowshipping with one another in, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. But we can never forget the purpose of the church. Oh, today so many churches are so filled with entertainment. Oh, the entertainment world has crept into the church and people come to the church and they want to be entertained. They want to have their ears tickled. Oh, we need to remember that the church is to be involved in missions, getting the gospel, giving the gospel message. Acts chapter number 1, we have that great commission there as well. When Just before Jesus Christ, again, before He left the, or went back to heaven, and he commissions his, uh, his disciples, he says, But ye shall receive power, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto, unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is the Great Commission, and this is what the church needs to be involved in. And praise God that we can be involved in this Great Commission. You know, when we think of missions, there are so many different definitions. People have this idea of what missions is. Some have this idea that missions is going to a poor, uh, poor uh, poverty-stricken country and digging wells and building houses and feeding the poor. Hey, that's, those things are good to be involved in as we see in Acts, or sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 8 as the uh, churches were involved in helping the poor saints and giving of themselves to help the uh, saints that were in deep poverty. But the missions, when we look at biblical missions, it's all about giving the gospel to a lost and dying world. Yeah, we can go to a country that is uh, stricken with poverty and we can go and help dig a well, but with the purpose of giving them the gospel. Oh, we can go to a poverty-stricken world and feed the poor there, but with the purpose of giving them the gospel. Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 37 says, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall, be, the same shall save it. He said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall, he, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, we need to be involved in missions. Missions is more than feeding the hungry belly. Missions is more than digging a well. Missions is more than building someone a house. If we can have and provide these temporal needs for all people and they're lost without Jesus Christ, we've done nothing for them for their soul. Oh, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. Oh, this life is so short. Your life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. And we need to be involved in giving out the missions. Oh, praise God for that missions call that he's laid upon the church. The world is in such danger. We need to be involved in rescuing souls. Rescue the perishing. And there are so many that are perishing today. And we need to get a hold of that truth. And that what God wants to do in us. This world is lying in danger. John chapter 3 verse 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Oh, this world is getting worse and worse. As we see the end time approaching and getting closer and closer, we see that this world is getting worse and worse. And the men and women of this world are in dire need for to be rescued from the wrath of God, the wrath that is to come. Oh, we see the world, we see the government trying to change society, trying to help people. And they introduce all kinds of social programs. Oh, they want to try to help society. You see all the drunkards. You see all those that are given to alcohol. You see 
those that are involved in domestic violence. We see all the sin that people are involved in in the government and this world is out of control and they're trying to help people. But nothing they have can help these people. Only the Jesus Christ who is the light of this world. That is the answer. Oh, how do you change a society? How do you change a wicked society? How do you change the direction? Oh, you need a mighty moving of God in this country. Oh, we need a revival. Oh, would the churches experience revival before the return of Jesus Christ? Oh, back in 1857, there was a great, what is called the Layman's Revival, which started in New York City. It was one man who had a, had a deep desire to see the churches revived. He had a great desire to see the movement of God, and he, and he handed out flyers around, around the city and inviting Christians to come and to pray that God would send a revival. And for weeks, he handed out flyers, and he invited men of the church, oh, come and pray, let's get together in the house of God and get a hold of the horns of the altar of God Almighty and ask Him to send a revival. And as the day appointed came, He came to the church there and He walked in and not a single soul was there to join Him in prayer. Nobody saw the need that He had seen that, that God had laid upon His heart. Oh, but nonetheless, He went ahead and He began to pray for revival. And He began to beg God that God would move mighty in the hearts and lives of His people. And He began to to pray fervently and at the end of the hour lunch hour as he finished off praying there were six other men that had joined him and that was the start of a great great revival and he prayed and the millions of people got involved and God worked in the hearts of many people and God did such a transformation in the hearts and lives of so many people uh, souls were getting saved uh, bars were being closed uh, 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 distilleries were being shut down because people were getting saved and turning from their wicked ways and living a life that is honoring and pleasing to God. Oh, we need a movement of God in our country. Oh, Canada needs a movement of God. We need a revival in our, our, our hearts and God's people. Oh, we need a revival. We need God to move. You know, we have the answer and the answer is the gospel. We need to be involved in giving the gospel. But we need a compassion. We need the power of God. We need the love of God to, to permeate our heart and to motivate us. Oh, we need God to do a mighty work in every single one of our hearts. Oh, would to God that God would answer our prayer. Oh, as the 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is the answer to this world? This world's problem? It is none other than Jesus Christ. Oh, the world can try to transform somebody's life and it's only for a temporary time. And most of the times it doesn't even work. But if any man be in Christ, amen, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's why it's so important that we are involved in giving the gospel. Are you involved in giving the gospel? I appreciate your church and your pastor's desire to win souls in the Soul Winners Academy. I'm thankful that he's taken that extra step and, 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 and put an, putting an emphasis on soul winning and rescue, rescuing sinners. Oh, we need to be involved in it. If you're not involved in a soul-winning program, if you want to call it that, if you're not involved in rescuing souls, oh, get involved and experience the joy of seeing God save sinners. Amen? What a joy. What a joy it is to be involved in the Great Commission. But three, three points here and we'll be done for tonight. Why, is, why should we be giving the gospel? Number one, Jesus commanded. 
Jesus commanded us to be involved in, the, in giving out the gospel. As we saw in Matthew chapter number 28, at the end of that chapter there, he says, Go ye therefore, in, uh, sorry, let me just read it here. It says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. That's the commandment that we have. And if we're not obedient in this commandment, why not? Why do we then call him Lord, Lord, and do not the things that he's commanded us to do? When God has commanded us to go into all the world and we make all kinds of excuses why we shouldn't and why we can't and why we don't, those excuses won't last. They won't stand at the judgment seat of Christ when we're going to give an account of our life. When we're going to give an account, why did you not uh, obey my commandment? Why did you not be involved? in the Great Commission. See, Jesus Christ has given us that commission and that commandment, and we need to be involved in the Gospel. Do you realize that if you're saved here tonight, that the Gospel has reached you? Somebody took the time to give you the Gospel message. Somebody gave of their finances so the Gospel could reach you. Somebody gave of their life to go and to preach the Gospel. Somebody sacrificed for you and for me to receive the Gospel message. Could we not do the same for somebody else? Could we not make a sacrifice for those that are dying around us? Could we not ask God to give us a burden and a compassion for the lost sinners around us, for those that we work with, hey, perhaps those that are at home? Could we not wake an hour and watch and pray for the lost souls of our relatives? Could we not give ourselves in, 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 in time of begging God to work on the hearts and lives of our loved ones? Hey, somebody invested in you. Somebody gave their time to you. Somebody preached the gospel to you. And I, hey, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Hey, Paul says, I received that wonderful gospel message. Jesus Christ was merciful to me. Jesus Christ extended his grace to me and I received the gospel message. He says, I am a debtor. I I owe it to somebody else to tell the gospel message. Oh, you and I that know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we owe it to tell somebody else because we have received that wonderful gospel message as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, that which I have first received, give I unto you. And we need to do the same, amen? Point number two, we need to give out the gospel message because hell is real. Hell is real. Now this is something that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to think about this awful place. But in all reality, there is a place called hell. And we can read about it in the Bible. And all sinners who don't trust Jesus Christ as their Savior will spend eternity in this, this awful place. And there will be no rescue missions in hell. Nobody will ever be able to escape that awful place. It is a real place and it is an awful place. And if you are saved, if you are a child of God, understand this. Hell is no more for you, amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Ah, but what about those who are still without Jesus Christ? What about those who have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who is going to tell them? Who is going to warn them? Who is going to warn the wicked? Hey, the bridge is out. You need to turn from your wicked ways. There is a God that loves you. There is a God that wants to save you from the wrath to come. And hell is an awful place. Hell is for eternity. Do Christians believe that doctrine today? 
Do we believe that there is that awful place called hell? Or is this just a, a fairy tale as the world has made it out to be? That just as a, uh, They use it as just an imagination that it's not real. But let me tell you, the Bible says and Jesus said, hell is real and it's a real place. We can read about it in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man who went to hell because he rejected Jesus Christ. Oh, who's going to warn the lost world that there is a hell without Jesus Christ? There was a man back in the 1800 whose name was Charles Pace. Now, Charles Pace was a wicked man. He lived a wicked life. He was a robber. He was a thief. He was a murderer. And he ran from the law, and the law tried to catch him. And for years, he escaped the hands of the law. But one day, the law finally caught up with him, and they arrested him and condemned him to die and when the day of his execution, the day of his hanging came as he was walking along the corridor, the, the hallway there to the execution, to the gallows. As he was walking, there was the chaplain priest who was reading the, uh, reading, uh, 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 the terrors of hell as he was uh, marching down the hallway. And as Charles Pace was walking down and hearing the priest as he was talking about the torments of hell and the, the horrible conditions of hell, Charles Pace stopped in his track and he looked at the priest and he says, you don't believe in hell. And he said to the, to the priest here, he said, I know you don't believe in hell because if you say that hell is real, if you say that hell is what it is, and you can tell me about hell that I'm going there and not shed a single tear for my soul, I am not convinced that you believe in hell. He said, if I believed in hell and that the place actually existed, he said, I would crawl all over England on my hands and knees, though it was covered in broken glass, just to tell one soul, just to rescue one soul of that awful place. Oh, do you and I believe in hell? Oh, we read about it in the Bible. We know that we've read the terrors of hell. We know the sufferings. But does it, does, it, does it motivate us to tell and to warn somebody? Do we lose sleep over it at night when we think about our loved ones? If they die without Jesus Christ, they're going to spend all eternity in that place. Oh, we need to be involved in giving out the gospel. That is how they're going to be rescued. That is the hope for their souls. Amen. We need to be involved in giving out the gospel because hell is real. Oh, hell is real. And number three, lastly, we need to give out the gospel because God loves the sinner. Oh, God, the, the famous verse that is well, uh, so well known and even in the, all over the world. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world. He didn't just love those that would accept Him as Savior, but God, Jesus Christ, loved the entire world. Those that rejected Him, those that despise Him, those that talk against Him, those that blaspheme His holy name. Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ loves this world. We need to understand that God loves this world and He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And how is the world going to hear? How is the world going to hear of that wonderful gospel message? Let's go to Romans chapter number 10 in closing. Romans chapter number 10. And uh, we think of the world and there's so many that need to be rescued from that awful place called hell. Who's going to go? Who's going to be the one that's going to tell them of the Lord Jesus Christ? And this is a verse of Scripture in Romans chapter number 10 that we often quote and we read and it should be so real to our hearts and mind. 
Beginning in verse number 9, it says, That if thou shalt confess that with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is so simple. Amen. Salvation is simply believing in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you've accepted that, praise God. And that's the message the world needs to hear because God so loves the world. Amen. Verse number 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation requires nothing. God doesn't expect you to pay Him back. God doesn't expect you to do anything for salvation. All that God desires is that man accepts the gift of salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Oh, if the world does not hear this, how are they going to be saved? How are they going to ever be rescued from the wrath of God that that is to come. Verse number 11, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all is rich unto all. Amen. Unto all that call upon Him. The gospel message is for, for the entire world. It's not for the chosen. It's not for the elect. It's for all, the Bible says. And verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel message is for your neighbor. The gospel message is for the vilest sinners that you can think of. The gospel message is for our leaders of our country. The gospel message is for every single boy and girl in this country and, and around the world. The gospel message is the hope of the world. And if we're not going to be involved in giving out the gospel, how is the lost world going to hear? He says, How then shall they call upon Him and upon, uh, sorry, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, where are the preachers today? Where are those that are heralding forth the gospel message? Oh, except they shall preach except they shall be sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Oh, this world is in torment. This world is in dire need. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them that Jesus Christ loves them? Who's going to care for their soul? Who's going to warn them? We don't tell them about Jesus Christ if we don't give them about the gospel. They have no hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen? Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and the world desperately needs to hear that message. Will you give the gospel message? Will you make a commitment and say, God, use my life in giving the gospel message? I believe we have only a short time left. I believe Jesus Christ is coming for His church very soon. But would to God that we would be involved in giving the gospel message in the time that we have. May God empower His church. May God send a revival in our hearts. How we need it how we need it. May God help us. May God help us be involved in the greatest rescue mission this world has ever seen. And the time has never been greater. The time has never been more desperate than it is today.
Oh, would to God that God's people would get a hold of God and God get a hold of our hearts and give us compassion. Oh, when Jesus Christ saw the multitude, He was moved. He was moved with compassion. Oh, if you lack compassion, get a hold of God and allow God to get a hold of your heart, to give Him your compassion, to give Him His compassion. Oh, that our heart would beat with the love of God and that we would have the compassion for souls and that our fear of, their, of the wrath to come would be greater than our fear of being rejected from those that we share the gospel message. Oh, would you just pray that God would help you, help us, help the church to be revived and be involved in giving the gospel message. Amen. May God bless you. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to save sinners. Lord, you said you came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And Father, you found me. And Father, I'm thankful for that. Now, God, I just pray you'd help each and every one of us that knows you. Lord, that we might have compassion for souls. Lord, give us your compassion. Give us your love. Father, would you motivate us by your Holy Spirit and by your power. Father, Father, open up our eyes. Help us to see the desperate need that this world is in. And if we're not going to tell them of the love of Jesus Christ and giving out the gospel, Lord, this world has no hope. So, Father, help us to be involved in the Great Commission. Father, thank you for Grace Baptist Church and what they're doing in reaching souls and their Soul Winners Academy and those that are involved in, in giving out the gospel. Father, I pray you'd strengthen them. I pray, Father, that many, many would be involved and many souls would be saved because of it. Father, I thank you for the missionaries who are represented here during this missions conference. Thank you, Father, that they've seen the need and they've seen the desperate need and they've obeyed your call. Dear God, I pray that you'd open up a mighty door for them as they preach the gospel. Father, I pray that you give them fruit for their labor. I pray, Father, that you'd use them in a mighty way to rescue souls for you. Father, thank you for them and strengthen them and empower them. God, I pray your hand would be upon them. Thank you for the promises that we have, that you will be with us even to the end of the world. Amen. Now, Father, I pray that you would help us seal this message to our hearts. And Lord, may we be involved in giving the gospel for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we sure do love you, and we just want to be used of you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.